Let me start off by saying, um, I know prayers and praises are over with, but, um, but I have a praise this morning that, that I thought of during the service, um, and it's for Mike Roberts and for, for Corey Rumbaugh. Whenever Mike, or whenever I'm asked to speak here, I usually don't have anything written out. See, when I go speak at other churches, I can do stuff that I've done here because they've never heard it. I could do the same sermon every time, you know, but when I come here, you guys make me do a new one every time. But what, one of the things that I do is I send the topic to Corey and to Mike and say, this is the scripture and this is what I've, I'm uh, going to be talking about. And it always amazes me at how these guys take what I say and blend their message in with my message with knowing nothing more than just the title and the scripture. You guys are awesome, and I praise you for that. <clears throat> here a while back, this guy here sent me an email, and he said, um, will you speak on, on the second? And I replied, Sure, be glad to. Um, got anything you want me to speak about? And after I sent that, I'm sitting there saying, please say no, please say no, please say no. And, and I quote his email here. No, have fun with it. <laughs> and I have. Because today I'm going to be talking about something that's very special to me. Musical talent and music and worship. <clears throat> now I have to say, I'm not, you're not going to hear me singing solos much. Um, I, I don't have the, the talent that Mike has to get up here and to pick the songs and to lead the service and do such a great job of, of uh, bringing it all together and not to mention that his ability to play. Definitely don't have the, uh, the ability that Eric has. Wow, wow, wow. I'm, I'm just awestruck when he, when he plays. I can't sing like an angel, like Lynn and Hannah, but I love to hear him sing. I cannot even play the air guitar as good as Albert does. <laughs> and if y'all have never seen Albert play in the air guitar, you've missed something because he is really good at it. But let me tell you something I am really good at when it comes to music. I love it. I love to listen to it, and I love particularly praise music. I'm like the little kid who's saying, I love you, Lord, and I lift up my noise. <laughs> but the Lord hears it, and he knows that in what's in my heart. Today's scripture is Psalms 95.1, and it says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. I want you to imagine for just a minute, what would the world be like if there was no music? There's a good side to it. As mentioned earlier, you don't get songs stuck in your head. But imagine what the world would be like if there was no music. Truth is, though, that music dominates us. It dominates our culture. Millions of dollars is made 
by different people in the music industry. Music triggers emotion within us, and it evokes feelings far, far beyond anything that language, anything that I can say or anybody else can say. Think of Handel's Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. Does that just make your heart burn? It does me. Or maybe it's another song. It's a song that maybe it's the best day of your life, your wedding day. Or maybe it's a song about a difficult time that helps you, that help, the song that helps you get through a difficult time in your life, singing the blues. Music sometimes makes us picture ourselves within the song. Sometimes we're up on the stage, rocking with them. When I was growing up, my favorite band back then was a group called Steppenwolf. And my favorite song was Born to be Wild. And I was born to be wild. That was only on the inside because with my dad, that was not an option, trust me. But the truth is that music, it, it, does, it does impact us. It does impact what we think. Paul warned us of this in Philippians 4.8 when he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Sometimes the, the songs, to, the lyrics to songs are impure. Satan uses them. It's one of his greatest tools. He uses it to make us think about sin, to make us commit sin sometimes as well. So not all music is for us as children of God. It's not all praiseworthy. In the Bible, in the book of Amos, he tells them that because of their wicked wickedness, the Lord did not want to hear their songs. He tells them, away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your hearts. So even the Lord tells us that not all music is music that is good for us, that is good for our spirit. We mentioned earlier about teaching at uh, lay servant training. While I was, um, a couple of weeks ago, here a while back, uh, I taught a class on the United Methodist Heritage, which is one of the lay servant classes. And like I alluded to when I talked about Vicki teaching earlier, whenever you teach something, you really have to know it. You have to anticipate questions people ask. And you have to know it really well. And I'd already taken this class as a student. So, but I had to go back and study it and get to know it and, and really know a lot of things that went beyond what I was taught in my class. One of the things that I 
thought that impacts greatly on us as United Methodists is the dynamic duo of John and Charles Wesley, particularly Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley has left a great impact on me. Okay, Beth. Nope, back. He is Methodism's most famous musician, and his words have inspired people of faith for nearly 300 years. 6,000 hymns. Charles Wesley is the poet laureate and, um, and great writer uh, of Methodism. So many of Charles' hymns talks about uh, the, the, the liberation of the human soul. Uh, in the hymn we love to sing, Oh, Four a Thousand Tongues, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. Jesus, the name that our theology, but he helps us to understand what it is we really have to sing about and belt out with joy and inspiration. Charles Wesley left his mark on Methodism, a movement very much influenced by its music. Christmas time, churches around the world say, 
One of the things I learned from Charles Wesley is the importance of music and worship. I also learned that like a sermon and like Corey said, music is used to teach God's word. And you did a great example of that, Corey. Thank you. The great composer, Bach. See, I was told once that if you want to spice up what you're saying, quote famous people that are really smart, it makes you look smarter, so don't I look smart? I'm, I'm going to quote Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach. The words of music are, the, are like the words of a sermon. I play the notes as they are written, but it is God who makes the music. I want you to think of, for just a minute about the founder, John, and the brother, Charles. And I'm going to give you a test here. I know Mike can pass this. I couldn't. Vicki can because she's heard me going over this over and over again. Can anybody here tell me the name of any sermon that John Wesley wrote? Can anybody here quote anything from any sermon that John Wesley wrote? Can anybody here tell me any of the rules for living? Best fixing to give you a hint. How about the Wesleyan quadrilateral? Y'all remember that one? Mike talked about it in a sermon. I do remember that. Or how about his famous saying of do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. That's Y'all remember that, don't you? Me neither. <laughs> Let's talk about Charles for a minute. Hark the herald angels sing. Sound familiar? Come thou long expected Jesus. Christ the Lord is risen today. Amen. I was hoping y'all would do that. But doesn't it just make you want to do that? We all, know, we all know the words that Charles penned on his songs. But very few of us can tell us anything that John Wesley said. And I'll be honest with you, I've tried reading his sermon. <laughs> Man. Well, I'll just let you judge that for yourself. Truth is that music and worship touches our souls. I want you to imagine for a minute, though, a world where there are no books and there are no signs. And if there were signs, they would look something like this. Think about that world. No street signs. Maybe a sign on the church, but it would be written like this. This is the world that the first people, the first children of God lived in. They didn't have written signs. They, didn't have, they couldn't read them if they had because it would look like this to them. But they had the Psalms. And the United Methodist Church tells us on their website... 
the Hebrew name given to the hymns or songs of praise, although there are many other psalms in Hebrew literature, for the ancient Israel, Israel, the collection of 150 songs became their hymns. This was how, like Corey talked about, how they, were, they remembered scripture, how they were taught scripture, how they were taught about the Lord in poems and songs. Like in Psalm 104, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will, I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Mike, do you know who your father is, your musical father in the Bible? Anybody else? Me either. But if you go back to Genesis 4, one of the first mentions where it mentions music it tells us his brother's name was Jubal, so now you know. Jubilee. He was the father of all who played string instruments and pipes. So all the way back in Genesis, we hear about music in worship. We also hear about it in Mark 14, something that we just observed. It goes, the, the scripture tells us while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink in the new drink in new in the kingdom of God. And then verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. A very important event to us, a very important event to them. A symbol of the new covenant, and they ended it with singing a hymn. Or if we go on in the Bible to Revelations, this is one that I always liked. Revelations 14, and I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him a hundred forty and four thousand, and they sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand, which were redeemed from the earth. I would love to have seen that. Might not have understood it, but I would love to have seen that and heard that. You know, faith, though, doesn't, it doesn't always protect us from bad things. But a lot of powerful songs have come from tragedy. And I'm going to talk about one of them this morning. Horatio Stafford. Stafford. He lived in the 1800s. He was a very devout Christian. And he was a prominent Chicago lawyer. He was doing well. He had a lot of property he had invested in. He, his, his law firm was very successful. He had a beautiful wife and four beautiful daughters. Life was good. It was more than good. It was blessed. But just as he was hitting the top, doing the best he's ever done, things began to change for him. It began with the loss of the son. 
And then after that, there was the great Chicago fire. And during that fire, his property was burned to the ground. His law firm was born, burned to the ground. Everything he had here on this earth was lost. He decided that he would take his family and go to Europe for like a vacation and also to hear some evangelists. But at the last minute, he had business that he had to tend to, so he sent his wife and his four daughters ahead. A few days later, he received a telegram from his wife. Saved alone. During the course over, their ship collided with another ship at 2 a.m. in the morning. And he lost these four beautiful daughters. Can you imagine? On his way over to meet his wife, passing over the same waters, the same ocean that took their lives, a timeless hymn was born. He wrote it on the ship going over. And it begins with the word, words, when peace like a river attendeth my way.
That was Michael Eldridge singing all four, all four parts of just a beautiful song. A song that was composed by Philip Glass, or the music was composed by Philip Glass. Obviously, the, we know where the words came from. Music is truly a blessing from the Lord. It's Satan's most bitter enemy. Martin Luther tells us, next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. It's a powerful thing. It's something that should not be taken for granted. I hope that my words today will emphasize the importance to you guys of the job that you do in praising the Lord and helping us to praise the Lord. And I hope that my words today make all of us realize the importance of music in our lives and the songs that we listen to every day. They have a great effect on our spiritual strength. So now, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. <laughs> 